anybody got something that you just want to reflect on from this morning real quick while while everybody's gathering? Oh, Shannon does. <clears throat> Kelly does. I take try to take about 60 seconds. Kelly, you can take three times 60 seconds. That's three minutes. Kelly and I had already talked about something. Go ahead, Shannon. I'm just very thankful for, for our co-ops because that is an awesome place to give up our freedom, the kind of the wrong kind of freedom, and come together and agree to do one thing, have to work in community together to agree, and then actually work together. Um, sometimes we even sweat when we're moving tables and things. So I just am very all thankful. Right. <laughs> I'm glad you all started co-op, and I appreciate it. And it's we need to let it do its full work in us as ladies. Nice. Mike, see some back there? Thanks, Andy. Real quickly, the thing that has really touched touched me and just encourages me, and hopefully this encourages everyone else too. Um, Bill, I still remember when you announced uh, we were going to have a churchification three years ago, and my first reaction was, how dare he you know, <laughs> take from my time? And, and it's just been an incredible learning experience for me. And, and as I get to know you all better, um, I just realize that you're genuine and there's a love and that's just helped me to grow. And so I just wanted to encourage you all if you're, if you're there. Um, it's, it's been a blessing to be part of community. Welcome to the 2020 conference. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Kelly. Oh, is there anybody else back in that area? Uh, Susan after Kenton. This kind of relates to the, um, the topics of like work ethic um, that were coming up this morning. But something that's been big on my heart since, um, really since we were reading through Daniel, um, is just excellence um, and uh, kind of excellence in general, but I, maybe specifically in work and um, in study. Uh, and so it's kind of, I don't, know, I don't know where to go with that other than that um, I think as a people, we really need to strive to be excellent um, employees um, and have an excellent reputation um, for doing excellent work, um, being really faithful employees, um, blessing our bosses. Um, and we also have to be excellent students, um, bless our professors, um, give you know our full effort on our homework. Um, and you know this is in college and this is in high school and kind of you know across the board, but that's kind of general excellence. Can I add something real quick to that? Uh, after Ben, because he just okay. asked me the same question. Well, actually, you were, Billy was talking up here during lunch, and he was saying that, I guess it was Winky Pratt, and he was kind of bemoaning the fact that to, to make something Christian, we put a little Christian symbol on it. Like, if, if this is Christian loaf of bread, we, we make it fish-shaped. Or if this is a Christian motorcycle, we, you know, we put a little fish sticker on it. That doesn't make it Christian. And, and so a, a Christian worker is not someone that wears a Jesus shirt to work. <laughs> you know, It's someone that does the work in the way that Christ would do it, which is with excellence uh, and in a way that serves and, and makes the people around you flourish. Yeah. Andy? I was just going to say that we should not compare or we should not use the world's standard of excellence when we talk about excellent work, but what would be excellent to the Christ. That could be a very different standard. <laughs> 
This goes along with what Shannon was saying, but I was thinking about it when Matt first started talking. Um, probably 15 years ago, I read a book about Amish because they were interesting to me, and they do not allow homeschooling because it takes away from their community. And I always thought that was so interesting. And yeah. if you look at the homeschooling culture in general now, they're it's kind of messed up. They were right. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate to the co-ops because it's kept us within our community. Yeah, and, and, and let me just add to that as well. Uh, there is always method in our madness, and, and and you'll find that we find ourselves between two extremes oftentimes. And I love the way we do Mars Hill and Co-op. It, it it puts the responsibility on the parents. Uh, but it draws the wisdom and expertise of giftings that God gives us. It's just beautiful the way it all happens. Uh, and it was all done out of desperation and seeking God, and God just brought what we needed. <laughs> That's great. I had a couple of things. Um, one, of, And these were things that kind of, uh, sparked an internal yes, you know, a real sense of yes uh, inside when I heard these things. And one of them was to respect and defer to the calendar of the church. And, uh, you know, Mike brought up the church vacation. I had a similar thought when, when the church vacation was announced a couple years ago, too. Like, you know, do we have to do that? Or, you know, are you not really in the church if you don't go? Um, but I think, it, I think for the first eight or nine years we were part of the church, we never went to the hot dog extravaganza because <gasps> my, I know, I know. Uh, because my, my family lived in Northern Indiana. We would go over the 4th of July, we would go visit them because it was what I wanted to do. And then um, just in the last couple of years had a sense that if, if the church is doing something, we want to be part of what the church is doing. We don't want to just do our own thing. We want to be part of what the church family is doing. And so not just for that, but in other things too, with moves and, and other events. So I, I, was, I was glad to hear Billy make that point. Another one was just this sentence. Uh, we have nothing new that we need to do. We have a lot of old that we need to get back to. And to me, there's a great relief in that. It would be incredibly burdensome to always be having to find the next new thing and then conform to it. And, and, and we, there is a lot of old that we need to get back to. And, and the good news is that it's already here. Um, and then the, the last thing was just appreciation. Um, you know, I, I was talking to Billy about this in the parking lot. Um, I, I am very grateful to have been lovingly tolerated the first four years we were in the church. <laughs> because I was in seminary and you just get exposed to all kinds of different ideas, and then because it was seminary, and then we were in this church, you know, espousing these ideas, many of which were foolish or just not very thought out, and, and I w we were lovingly tolerated. I was lovingly tolerated, and, and the good thing is that I probably didn't have any influence with anybody for those ideas to actually go anywhere, <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I do appreciate that very much.
Um, this has been big in my heart. I didn't grow up in a community like this, but I was very fortunate that my, probably my dad, even more than my mom, had me around older men a lot. And I think Ben commented on flea age segregation. Wasn't that in what you talked about, Ben? Yeah. So when you said that, last night I had to go home um, for a funeral visitation for a really good friend of mine. This really good friend of mine was 89 years old. And I was thinking, driving back before any of that, I didn't have any idea what we were talking about today, and I was just thinking about what quality of individuals are going to be in this room that I was coming back to last night and how we need to be very deliberate, and it's almost irresponsible if we don't because we have a, such a resource in one another, to have our kids around other adults mm-hmm. yeah. that aren't our own. Yeah. And so when yeah. you said that this morning, I was like, golly, that's just what I was thinking last night. So nice. as it relates to living in a community, our kids, you know, the community can only survive for a generation if we don't cultivate that community and there is so much that I can't teach my kids but they can just learn from being with someone else that's in this room and so I just want to encourage us one make yourself available to another child to another set of parents and then two for those of you who have kids even if they're a little bit older encourage them to be around some of your friends apart from you even um, because that was just personally that there are five or six men that really shaped my life that, I mean, this guy was almost 50 years older than me. Um, so we have a real resource here that we need to use. Yeah. There was, uh, he talked about fleeing age second generation, but getting with people who are older than you. But also, he, he, he told this interesting story. This is Ben Sass in, in the Vanishing American Adult book. He told a great story that he was sitting around, and they were t- discussing what, what does it mean when, when are you confident that a, that a young man has matured? And all of the women that were discussing this with him said, well, when you can leave him alone with an infant for an hour or two hours, and you're not worried about what's going to happen. Uh, so that, that aspect, too, where, where we need to learn how to change a diaper, uh, you know, but just being able to take care of someone who doesn't know how to take care of themselves is an important thing to know as a man. I want to know how many 30-year-olds have reached that level of maturity, right? Or, t- or 35, I don't know. Uh, it, it gets older and older. We're going to keep going. I mean, this is as good as anything we could do, so... I was thinking about the um, the cost of community uh, as you were talking, y'all were talking this morning, and remembering um, how that goes against personal uh, gain, personal advancement, and uh, the men who started our community um, really gave up uh, a lot um, uh, monetarily, uh, career-wise. Uh, things where they would be huge successes by the world standards and, and by Christian standards as well. Uh, but they gave that up uh, to build community. And I really appreciate what that is fostering in this community is graduates who look for jobs here. Uh, it it's, it's fosters men looking for work 
here rather than advancing and going to Chicago or Seattle, but they're looking and saying, God's planted me here, I'm here, and I'm here long term. This is the only place, this, this is my home, this is my community. And the cost goes against personal gain, personal advancement, um, but the benefit is community, and it's a beautiful thing, and I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate what the men who laid their lives down uh, to start that, um, uh, plant that seed, and show us that it actually does work and it's worth the price. Somebody over here, yeah. <clears throat> I might get a little emotional on this one. <laughs> I, I, this, is, uh, this is probably not the right context to share this in, but because of what Patrick shared, I, I think I need to. <clears throat> Last night when we were worshiping, I got a word that I didn't share, so I wanted to share it. I think it makes sense based on what Patrick was saying. <clears throat> this, this word is for... Maybe more than this, but um, for Bill, John, and Catherine, and uh, Brenda Henderson, and Billy Henderson, <clears throat> and the just the the short word was that God wants to use you in these days to teach our children. Uh, and there are two ways that stuck out to me. One is that he wants you to tell the stories from your early days. And that that would capture the imagination of this next generation of children. Um, there's something very special about those early stories of your life that will set them on a road um, that... It will be a dream that they will be um, pursuing, and, and that dream needs to continue in this body. And then second, so that, God said that was a commission uh, to you. The next one was a release to you, uh, is that you will teach our children how to dance. And uh, Tom and Susan were kind of in my mind, too, on this one. <laughs> you guys weren't here at the very beginning, but to me, you were now. <laughs> but um, God wants to release you in your old age to become like children again, and your delight and your wonder of him. And uh, at first, I thought it would be like you're going back. To those early days, but God said, no, they're not going to be going back. It's going to be a new thing. And I thought of the verse in John about the children and the young men and the old men, and you are going to know the father in a delightful way that is going to cause you to dance in your old age. And I got an image of it was like a laugh that was going to start in your stomachs is the word that God gave me. And that 
it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pervasive and your joy uh, and your dancing and your delight in the Lord is going to be a new thing that is going to lead our children because I feel like us in our middle ages were so occupied with the work and the responsibility. And I think for you, maybe some of the work and the responsibility is going to be shifted to the, to the middle age people and you're going to have this freedom to just delight in the Lord and that it will, you'll teach our children how to, to be in that. I wasn't going to share this. I was just sitting here uh, right before you started talking, Matt, uh, thinking about Bill, John, and Billy. Um, so in 1984, in that fall, I became a Christian. And within that first six months, um, I, I can remember just two um, situations. One was sitting with Bill, John at their house on Lackawanna. Uh, eating dinner, Catherine cooking. I think, I think Ruth and Rachel were maybe four and two, and um, the topic was a very simple topic, but it was about a strongest concordance and whether or not I should have one. And Bill <laughs> said, "Well, if you don't have the money, I'll buy you one. If you have the money, buy you one." And uh, I, I think he ended up buying me one, <laughs> but I still have that strong concordance. And I'm, um, and then I remember being in the dorm, and and Billy would come, and, and now I'm going to be emotional. And Billy would come and have Bible studies with us. And um, I'm just grateful for you two men, um, for getting a vision from God, and just standing in it. And uh, because of y'all uh, and your wives just standing and being faithful. I mean, there's been a lot of fruit, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that, and I'm, I know that it really all of us are, and um, I just wanted to share that, too. Just, I wasn't going to, but Matt, that's exactly what I was thinking. Amen. That, that brings a memory back. I thought you were going to share about cutting down my flowers in the backyard, but that, <laughs> we'll tell that story sometime. But uh, this, this particular Bible study, uh, Joe Oligas was in it, Steve Mazza was in it, uh, Kurt was in it, and they were all athletes at, at UK. So needless to say, <clears throat> when I would show up ready to go through the foundations manual, they had not necessarily filled in all the blanks. Uh, <laughs> now, Kurt, Kurt was the student of, of all of them, and it was just so fun watching them try to fake it when I would ask them a question. <laughs> huh? Since then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I mean, Kurt, Kurt did study. He, he showed up loving the Bible, but these other guys loved the Bible. They just didn't like to read it. Um, but the other thing that went on, and I did this most of the time, they always had a newspaper laying around with the sports section open. Well, you all know I don't know diddly squat about football or basketball or anything, but, but, but I would sit there, and I'd make sure the newspaper were, were, was where I could see it. So I'd read a headline, and I'd say, Oh man, did you see what Pittsburgh did to Texas the other day? That was, I mean, and, and then I would quote exactly what the headline said, and they'd go, yeah, 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 and they'd go, 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 yeah. And then I'd read another headline and say it to them. I had no idea who the teams were or anything. Uh, 
that's got nothing to do with anything. But, <laughs> but uh, we, we had a tennis player, uh, a cross country. Uh, uh, these guys went to the Orange Bowl, a couple of football players. Um, and, and I was such a pencil neck. So. Yeah, Hall of Fame Bowl. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Still got the ring? You still got the ring? Safe if I was fucking saying Yeah, so. Huh? Anybody else? Dan, you learn a lot, bud. I, I did some deep teaching, brother. <laughs> We're going to exegete all this in a minute. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. So I was sorting over a decade's worth of my papers a few weeks ago and found a letter from Mr. Henderson when I was 10 that basically he said, you need to sit and pay very close attention to your parents and their friends and the stories they're telling and the ways they're talking to one another. Um, and I had forgotten about the letter, but. I know that it shaped, that it struck me really hard when he wrote me a letter, because that was the only letter I had ever received from Mr. Anderson. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I did that. <laughs> and I literally would sit on the floor and listen when it wasn't about me. Um, and now, having read that, I've been thinking about the past few years, and it's amazing how much my thought is shaped by, oh yeah, and my mom said 10 years ago about this situation, this, okay, so now I can deal with this situation. So I'm very, very grateful that he took the time to write me that letter, and I'm grateful for the ways that my thought has been shaped by the history of my parents and their friends. The, uh, the last verses in the Bible talk about the father's hearts being turned to the sons and the son's heart being turned to the fathers. I think, I think homeschoolers uh, really think in terms of, um, oh, yeah, having this good relationship between father and son. Uh, I think what it's really talking about is they had a vision. They had a community vision that was supposed to be passed on. So what turns their hearts toward each other is when both sides embrace the call of God. And the sons can receive that from the fathers. And the fathers are diligent, and their heart is to pass this on to their sons. Uh, so again, I think that's where the scripture has been uh, not properly understood because, because people didn't understand community. It was, it was, they were the people of God, and they were supposed to pass all of it on and they were supposed to receive it. Uh, and that's how your hearts get together. It's not, I love you, Daddy. Uh, I love you, Junior. It's, we have a common love. And our hearts are toward each other to accomplish that com common love, so that common purpose. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being you. Thanks for, thanks for even listening around the corner when you weren't supposed to. <laughs> and how do I know that preacher's kids do that? Any more? 
you know, my thought is the children of Israel passed on their stories to the next generation from the beginning of time. And as a, as a church, we should know our story, not, not just scripturally, but our story, the story that God has moved within our bodies, the things that God has done with his church or his churches. Um, we should be telling those stories to our children. We should be telling them the, the triumphs of somebody overcoming sickness or somebody being saved and brought into the kingdom. Um, stirring up the, the kingdom within our children is also sharing with them the, the triumphs of God in, within the body uh, so that it builds their faith. So they have, when that time comes, they have their own relationship with God and they can refer back to, hey, when this was a Bible study, look how we've grown. We have so many churches uh, and how God moves and uses the people of, of, for his purpose. Uh, I think what would happen is when we do that, it stirs up the faith of our kids. It helps them to provide answers for who God is and what he's doing around them. Uh, you know, I think about when Billy and the, and the leadership started talking about the the move of the Holy Spirit and how it's hovering and it's stirring and it continues to do so within the body, you know, that never stops. You know, when you hear the teachings, um, just here lately, you know, how God is moving and what he wants to do with his church, that is happening now. It's going to continue to happen. When those things happen, our children should what would be nice if they could recognize the move of God, that it would stir something deep inside of them that they would continue to pursue and build in the trust in the word of God and say, this is God's word. This is what he's doing. I have seen it, and it will come to pass. Mm -hmm. You know, so my hope is, and the encouragement is that that stirs it within all of us. You know, the older generation takes time to stop and communicate or just talk to the younger generation and vice versa. Um, it happened all throughout scriptures. You know, it, it's vital for, for our community. Um, so I just want to encourage everybody in, in, in remembering those things, the good and the bad and the, the tough things and the struggle, you know, because our struggles for some when we come through the other side are a great encouragement for, for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's all I got. I'm, I'm going to move ahead, and, and, and there will probably be a little time later for, for other things to be shared. But uh, we got a little bit uh, behind, and so we're going to condense things a bit. Uh, ben is going to go ahead and share about uh, just recapping from last, uh, last year. And then I'm going to share a few things about what's essential to community. And then Chad is going to go ahead and share about some things that are distinctives. And we're just all going to stay up here and interrupt each other. <clears throat> Can I say, though, that uh, I do Very have good. to say, but I'm going to interrupt Ben before he gets started. I think the title in there is 
Up for anything? Up for whatever. Up for whatever. If you're in TCF, you know when I gave that last year, I stole that topic or that title from Kelly. And Kelly, did you steal it from anywhere? Or did you coin it? Wow. <laughs> copyright, copyright Kelly Hahn. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's from a beer commercial. Where was it from? A beer Bud Light commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the uh, case right, study we're here. We're going to be talking about, let's get on down to our alcohol. Uh, I knew you Lutherans would just start seeding it in there. <laughs> I forgot about it. Oh, that's delicious. Oh, man. It makes me want to burp. All right. Well, I didn't necessarily want to recap the whole teaching. Uh, the, the thing that I was, was on my heart coming into this, we, we were starting to, to pray and talk about just community and making that the theme of this year. And I remembered when we started talking about that, a lot of things that we had mentioned last year. And we, we, we came up just short of really diving into some of those real specifics um, that maybe we will get on later uh, to later today. But the teaching that Chad gave as the first session of, of last year's 2020 retreat was, uh, it was up for whatever, but that, that, that's not really the main point. I, I just wanted to recap that because out of that, we said, hey, this is going to be a year of really clarifying and, and, and walking through this process together, defining our community, defining our, our values and our agreements, and uh, having those conversations. And so what I just want to to remind everyone of were, were some of these points. I've, I've got them written down. Um, you know, Chad mentioned earlier that there are lots of different ways that we can biblically respond to culture and biblically interact with culture. Um, you can condemn it outright. Uh, you can be critical of it. You can copy it. Uh, or you could just be a consumer. And those are all valid stances at, at different points. And our goal is not to figure out how we just, at all times and, and for all issues, one stance that we, ha that we all have. The goal is to go through the process together, have the conversations together, and agree that we are going to be okay with consuming this part of culture together. Or that we are all going to, at this time, condemn this thing that we see in the world and, and keep it out of our community, out of all of our homes and out of our lives. And so in community, and Billy will probably get to some of this, uh, but this was, this is was one of the things that Chad said last year, that a lot of times the, the questions start to boil down to what's right or wrong. When in a community that's not necessarily, I mean, obviously that's an important question, but that's not really what's driving the conversation. Because... The Bible doesn't say anything about pop music or whatever pop artist, but it does say things about what the church is to be in the midst of the world. And so we need to agree on what that looks like for us in this uh -huh. time. And so if, if your mind immediately goes to, well, I, I feel okay doing that, and how can I defend my freedom, then we're not, then we're not having the same conversation. The conversation is, how do we agree and, and, and what's our decision, and what are we going to do in order to move forward in agreement? And uh, so he said, in all of our thinking, we need to have the mind of Christ. Uh, and 
that there should not be anything that we're not willing to give up for the sake of the mission. Um, we have the conversation. We voice our opinion. But when it comes down to it, we all, God is calling us all to be up for whatever. Um, and and that, that's, the, that's the key behind all of it. Um, sometimes we will get locked into a particular stance. We, we are the, the, the culture condemners. That's what I'm going to be, and everything that culture thought, I'm just going to uh, be the, the curmudgeon. Well, that might not be what God's calling us to do in a particular time, and so we all need to, to be sensitive of that and be willing to give up our stances for the sake of an agreed-upon uh, community stance. So those were the things. And we had said, you know, this, this past year we wanted to move toward that as the, as the generational transfer um, begins to accelerate. Uh, these are things that we really need to, to, to invest in. These are conversations we need to spend time on and be intentional about uh, because it's how our church was formed and it's what got us to this place and it's going to be what takes us uh, into the next generation. Great. <clears throat> okay, uh, yeah, I, I think that's part of what, what I wanted to share. So we're going to move on to the next one that was supposed to happen, which was me sharing some of the key uh, issues in developing community. And I'm going to go through them pretty fast because I think as, as the discussion opens up here, we'll just come back to these. But let me just list some of them pretty quick. Um, I'll, I'll share this. Um, I was talking to Will Witherington, uh, who is my neighbor, who probably understands our vision uh, and lives it uh, almost as well as we do. That's because he's been part of a campus discipling ministry, but he's also the the pastor in charge of church planting for his local church so you take those two things and put them together that's a lot of what we do <clears throat> and I was explaining it to him and uh, he said yeah there, there's a lot there is a lot of material on um, trying to pass on the vision and he said you have a first generation and a second generation and a third generation and what happens is the second generation deviates so now the third generation coming in, they hear something from the first generation, but they see the second generation somewhat doing a little different, and it confuses them. And he says the one way to solve it is either the first or the second generation needs to die. Uh, conflict over the vision cannot exist, or it confuses the kids. Uh, and so I started thinking about uh, Abraham being a, a man of faith and killing his son. And so all you second-generation people, <clears throat> us old guys are like Abraham, and we will take a knife out, and unless God stops us with an angel. No, I'm kidding. Uh, now, I only share that. I only share that to, to just say that that's the way things work. That's, that's, you know, there's a lot of literature written on... You have a small group of people, they understand it, they live it, and then you get a second generation, and they, they may question it, or they may just not hear it or understand it, and then it, it becomes a confusing noise. It's not, there's no clarity. And so what we're doing this weekend is trying to bring us all back to clarity. I, I really don't think uh, anybody needs to die. Um, that, that, that was probably from some secular literature, but... Um, uh, I think we all need to continually die to ourselves and, and let God do something. So 
let me go through these real quick. Uh, I've got four or five things that, that you may be interested in. First of all, uh, if you're going to have a community, you must have a way of life. It must be said of you. It was said of the first community that they were always eating together, that they would get together in their homes and talk about uh, the Word of God and prayer and the teaching that had been given uh, earlier, and that they would go to church together. There was something said of them, their way of life. And there needs to be something about our way of life. And those things need to be determined. We need to know what they are, and then we need to enter into that way of life. How contrary is that to the way Americans view church? Church is a place for you to go to be strengthened so you can live your life the way you want. Uh, if you're going to have a community, it doesn't work. I believe a big part of marriage, the reason God created marriage, was so he could teach us how to live together in community. And so the same thing that you learn in marriage is to build a skill in you so you can live in community. So you get married, and all of a sudden you realize, I can't go on vacation where I want when I want without some agreement. If you're going to be one with your wife or one with your husband, you're going to have to totally come into agreement on your way of life, right? That principle needs to be transferred to your community, and you need to realize that that kind of difficult conversation and coming into agreement has to happen if you're going to be a community. Now, if you want to continue to have a church that extracts from the word things that will strengthen you and what you want to do, you can do that. But you have got to have a way of life. It must be said of you if you're going to be a community. Okay? Now, I'm not condemning anybody that may do it a different way, but I'm saying if you're going to be community, that, that's got to happen. All right, second thing, um, church authority and discipline. Authority and discipline. Authority must be wise and humble. And when I talk about authority, I talk about authority doing two things. First of all, you need church authority, now listen close, to establish the way of life. Because church authority should be made up of men and women, men with their husbands, who have lived their lives together. What did I say? Blasphemy. Huh? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just making sure you guys are listening. Uh, men with their wives. See, what happened there is, is I, I'll tell you exactly what happened, is I said men, but then all of a sudden I realized in my head, okay, Authority, men, yes, but the wisdom includes their wives. So I said men, and I thought, oh, I need to include their wives, and I, that's what happened. <laughs> that, 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 that's, uh, that, that's how it happened. You know? <laughs> that might help you in future, <laughs> future situations. Now you don't have to interrupt me to correct it. You can just, oh, I know what he's doing. Uh, no, thank you. 
So that authority must be wise and humble. And that's people who have lived together with wives in submission to their husband. They've raised their children. And the community has said, those are the lives we want to become like. And it's called authority. And it's authority to say, no, this is the way we're going to live life together. How we live life together should not originate in a 21-year-old man who's making a decision for himself. How we live life together should be established by men and women who have poured themselves out for the body. Does that make sense? The second place you need authority is in the area of church discipline. Matthew chapter 18. There must be ultimate authority in the church that can make decisions to work through conflict. And that's got to be well established. And everybody has to be in agreement. We are going to live together. We're going to have long conversations. But in the end, if the conversation's gone on for two years and we need to get on with life, we need to ask the elders to make a decision and just live by that and move on. Does that make sense? So the church has got, when we got started, we believed that God would mature us to the place that we could truly be elders. And we long for the day that we have a broad group of men and women that are wise and they can help cultivate the way and they can be trusted to disentangle any kind of conflict that's going on. And God has given us that. You know, we're slowly growing into it, uh, but communities must have that. Um, you know, we were convinced that the church should be an elder-led body. Why? Because you need wisdom and humility and all of the things that elders are supposed to be to really cultivate a community. Uh, that's the two, that would be two and three. Uh, good authority for both discipline issues and for cultivating and making final decisions. Um, accepted standards, okay? Um, you've got to decide what you're gonna do with certain cultural issues. Now, the things that biblically we know that Paul talked about was the way you cut your hair because it says something. The clothes you wear because it says something. The food you eat because it says something. That's pretty detailed. So when there was a need for a cultural expression to be addressed, Paul realized it and he said, look, this is the way you need to do it because of who you are and where you are, and this is why. This is maybe the most difficult one. There will be times when there will be things people are doing with their body, what's really hip, and everybody else will want to do it. But we trust 
the wisdom of the older people in the church who lived 40 years ago to be able to say, that's way overboard, and it's saying something that we don't want to say. But it's not just those things. It could be anything that culturally expresses something of rebellion or disrespect or lasciviousness. Uh, and if you think about Paul's, uh, he talked about your dress taking precedence over your character. He talked about the way your dress expresses submission to authority. He talked about what you eat because of the way it affects other people and their cultural understanding around that food. Those are some pretty complicated things. And I'll just say this. I'm not going to trust some 21-year-old whose hormones are pumping through to decide, now we're going to do this. I'm going to trust tradition uh, and those people we have trusted as elders and deacons and their wives to sit down in a circle and say, hey, this is the way we're going to do it. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, the third thing is it's got to be generational. You know, you don't form a community in one generation or even two generations. This has got to pass on, and with that, you've got to have long-termers. Uh, a community has to be made up of people who know that they have been given to the community. You can't end up with elders if you don't have long-termers who have been given to the community. The fact that a guy shows up that can teach and and is dynamic and charismatic and was the Bible teacher in the last place he was, he shows up. There's no way he can be an elder in a community because he doesn't know the community. He doesn't understand the community. He can't connect the community with its, its, its heritage. And so you've got to have long-termers who are given, and they know we are the people of Lexington, and God has placed us here to be sifted over and over and over, generation after generation, to become those people. Amen. All right, the last thing I'll say about it, and we'll move on, is that we have a one in ten rule. It's very important that you understand the one in ten rule. It's not really a rule, it's a way of saying a principle. So there are ten meetings that everyone must make every month. You must come to church four times. You must go to home group four times. You must go to the men's meeting. And you must go to your monthly accountability meeting. And you must miss one of those every month. Otherwise, we believe that you're walking in legalism. <laughs> It bothers me that you laugh because that's a very old joke. <laughs> All right. A second way to say it is this. We have ten rules. We don't drink. We don't smoke. We don't chew. And we don't date girls who do. And you can make up the next six. Okay? 
So we have 10 rules. This is what we do or we don't do. But you must break one of them occasionally, or we believe you're walking in illegalism. Now, is somebody going to come and keep count to make sure you missed a day or you skipped one? No. It's just a way of saying this. As a community, we determine what reflects our community and reflects Christ in our culture and the way we understand it. But you are free at any point in time because a particular situation that you're in to realize I would be better off to skip that meeting or violate that rule. My, my favorite example uh, would be um, our elders who have committed themselves to abstain from alcohol. If they have the relationship at home um, with their parents where they've come into community and every time they go home, their older parents are really frustrated because the parents feel like, well, here comes Junior. He's going to condemn us again. He's going you know, he, to turn the TV off and he's going to tell us how his kids don't do that. And then mom sets Thanksgiving dinner and they pour wine for everybody. If at some point the elder felt like, oh, it would just be in your face again to do this to my parents, he should go ahead and drink that cup of wine. Uh, that's my favorite example because that, that explains clearly the way we try to handle these things. And so there all 10 of our rules, there may be a place sometime somewhere where the kingdom is best represented by you not following that rule. Now, unfortunately, unbroken um, uh, people who are still full of their own desire, they will look for reasons to break it. And it's not for the good of the kingdom, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's my opportunity to go, you know, Whatever it is, you know, pole dance or, you know, I think that's one of our rules is you don't pole dance, okay, on buses. Uh, didn't we say we weren't going to do that yet? We did. I thought we said that. Mysterious 11th rule. Yeah. So, so does, everybody, does everybody understand the 1 in 10 rule? It's, it's our acknowledgement that we have struggled to find out how we should live, and we have imposed some things that, within the broad understanding of Scripture, are not sin in all places at all times. But for us, we've determined what best expresses what God wants here and now for us in this place. You'll, you'll, you'll find a lot of things in the Bible that are descriptive, and they're not, is it pre or proscriptive? Pre. Prescriptive. It's not telling you what you must do. It's telling us what they did. And there's many things they did that would indicate to us that there's some things that we should do or not do that's different than that, but it indeed is something that we as a community should figure out and do. Make sense? All right. And so we need to have a way of life. 
You need to know what that is. And just like you adjusted your life to your spouse after you got married, I know it's painful and I know it's costly. Community is costly. And, and discipling other people into it, it's crazy. The opposition you get to trying to help people see the, the value of going and shopping for groceries together. Uh, you have to have authority for two reasons. Ultimately, if there's a decision to be made in disputes or about sin, and secondly, in that, those are the people that need to be tending the vision and the cultural uh, expressions and the way of life. For you've got to figure out what those accepted standards are, and you've got to respect it for what it is, and then you got to have long-termers, and don't forget the one in ten. All right, I'm done. Any questions about that or comments to either what Ben shared or what I shared? None? Well, I'm sorry I didn't inspire any original thought. All right, um, you either, Ben. All right, Chad, I think, I think we're up to your part. Is that right? Yep. So <clears throat> I don't have a teaching per se. Um, I have this thought that was on my mind, and the thought was this. You know, in the, there's plenty of examples of this in Scripture, the pearl of great price. In the story of the pearl of great price, a pearl merchant finds a pearl, greatest pearl he's ever seen. He goes and sells everything he has to buy the pearl. I think in that story, it's easy for me at least to focus on, man, that cost a lot. Does that make sense? And not, we forget that that pearl merchant was laughing as he sold everything. Does that make sense? He had found something of such great value, he was laughing to himself as he sold some of his greatest treasures in life because he was going to get the best deal he'd ever seen in his life. And I want to apply that to some of the unique, distinct things we do as a body. Really what I want to do is celebrate some of those things. And I don't have a definitive list in mind. I have a few off the top of my head. But I think sometimes we get so embroiled in defending them <laughs> or paying the price for them or just getting so used to them that we forget how wonderful they are. Can I interject? Yes. Because the, the primary thought I had coming to this morning as I was praying, uh, I was reminded of a time when I was praying with, uh, it was at Dan Scheffler's house. I was with, with Matt. And Dan, I don't know who else was there. And as I was praying, the, the story of the, it's pretty much the same story, the, the treasure buried in the field. And the guy finds the treasure. And I had heard that parable a hundred times, but it was in that room where it became so clear that the men that I was praying with were that treasure. And that what we had going on was the treasure. And, and it just made so much more sense to me that it's the kingdom of God that's like that treasure and that pearl. It's what we're talking about. It's community. And uh, so I just want to yeah. 
amen what you're about to say. Yeah. So honestly, <laughs> thank you. Pre men. Um, so honestly, I just wanted to to name an area, go on about how great it is, <laughs> and then name another. Let some these guys go on about it, and then name some other areas. Does that make sense? So maybe the easiest is for me, and I don't want to go back to some of the Mars Hill stuff, but this is a great example. Um, let me share three short stories. Many of you have heard pieces of this. Three short stories about Mars Hill. One, David Bradshaw is a philosophy professor at UK. He has consistently come to me and said, thank you for Mars Hill. The children that get out of Mars Hill can write. Like they know how to write a complete sentence that makes sense. Um, he's really, he says, I get students who are, you know, the, the cream of the crop and they can't think. So that was one. Um, another one was, I don't know how many people went to the Marsil Forum, um, but Joseph Pierce was one of the speakers. Joseph Pierce is a published author, 40 some odd books. He's written a play that was performed off Broadway. He is a I don't know, a rock star in the classical homeschool community. <laughs> and while he was here for an hour with our families and some of our teachers in Mars Hill, he was like, what a precious thing you have. This is a man that travels the country and speaks at homeschooling conferences. This is a man who has his own kids that he homeschools. And he was very, very blessed by what we're doing in Mars Hill and the community we have. And I guess Mars Hill is a good example because I know the frustrations as a parent dealing with some of the oddities of Mars Hill. <laughs> I know the frustrations. I, I mean, I'm living them. You know, I've lived them. And I think we forget. You're helping I'm helping them. create them. <laughs> um, I think we forget how precious it is when we live it day to day and we, we meet the frustrations of it. Yeah. Uh, the last story is I mentioned that pastor in Ohio, Sean Meyer, uh, he's had to keep his wife from saying, hey, we need to leave our church and move to Lexington so we can be a part of Mars Hill. Um, and it still may happen, I don't know. Um, but at any rate, so Mars Hill being an example of something that you know, I'm not saying every Monday morning I love the thought of spending all day at Mars Hill. I'm not saying, you know, I don't get frustrated with homework assignments or whatever. Um, but in the long term, it's one of the best deals I've ever gotten in my life. Amen. Uh, so I don't know if anybody up here or out there wants to, to comment on that. Um, that's one example to me that we need to not, we need to not get so caught up in the cost that we forget the bargain that we're getting out of it. So. Well, it, with Mars Hill, it's, it's funny because some of the kids, and even I, when I was in Mars Hill, uh, you, tr you try, you know, you see school kids in the world, how they talk about school, and then you kind of try to imply that to Mars Hill. Oh, we got homework. Oh, yes, we got a snow day. And it's like, uh, what I've come to understand is that this is, this is nothing like what we grew up hating, what, what, what generations of people have grown up hating. Uh, this is an entirely different thing, and this is producing an incredible result for the kingdom. And uh, I, I actually am glad every Monday morning uh, to come in, and uh, it's, it's like a day off. It's like, oh, yeah, I can. This is the best place to be. Um, so, yeah. <laughs>
And that's even with dealing with some of the frustrations of our own kids, right? Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to not. The existence of competence. <laughs> this, this is parenthetical, but, but uh, uh, part of the long-term vision of Mars Hill would be to have a building similar to this with a wing on either side and have about uh, 40 or 50 young women and 40 or 50 young men where their classes are cultivated, you know, separately, but they would come together maybe for lunch and chapel. Uh, so if you, if you want to put something in your mind and, 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 and pray for it, just pray that uh, we will finally get to the place that we have the set of teachers and we have the ability to go ahead and, and divide it out like that. There's reasons for it, uh, but you know, at some point I believe that will happen. And we also believe that there will probably be a Tuesday Mars Hill and then a Wednesday Mars Hill because as the number of churches grow and the number of students grow, we don't want it to get past a a ratio of one to ten with teachers. Um, so, yeah, it's great. It's, I, I've had the same experience. Everybody uh, who comes and sees it, they're like, especially my friends who are teachers, they're like, oh, yeah, you've died and gone to heaven. So, you know, again, I'm talking about when you're having to defend homeschooling to somebody, you just start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, you, you just... Um, all right, I'll pass on to another one um, that of late I've appreciated. And again, I think if anybody wanted to mention other ones, I'm just going to mention one. We can talk about it a little move on. Um, and that is relationship. I would love to be able to calculate, and I don't know how you could do this, but I would love to be able to calculate the hit that the therapy industry, the medical industry, Almost every industry would take if churches would do relationship. Mm -hmm. If they would just say, we love one another, we know one another, we're going to speak the truth to one another, we're going to keep at this until we find out what we need to do, and then we're going to hold one another to doing it. Uh, and this is, again, this is not to say that well, I'm just convinced that, for example, any number of marriages that fall apart in this country every year would not fall apart if they just had that and did it. Uh -huh. um, anytime I get involved in counseling in situations, and Billy and Ben will, I'm sure, get involved in sort of counseling situations that aren't our church, you know, they're, they're sort of outside, uh, you realize how little people have by way of dealing with life, you know, and I, we can say this about culture in general, but I think we can even say it about the church in America. Um, when I spend time, I, right now there's some very broken situations in my own family, um, and it's really heartbreaking because they the don't have family. my extended family, not Shane and I, um, that are really heartbreaking because just live, being able to live in a community like this would do it. 
would have kept them from getting where they are now that might lead to divorce. Um, so for me, there's just no substitute for the kind of life where we, we get to live in relationship. And again, it's a pearl of great price situation. It's not mm -hmm. oh, all the things I got to give up for this. It's man, what a bargain. Amen. So I don't know any thoughts about the relationship stuff. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's up to you. Yeah. Um, so any thoughts about that, Ben, Billy, anybody? Um, I, I'm, I'm constantly reminded of that and uh, the value of relationship in our own lives and what it accomplishes. And, uh, you know, I want to celebrate it. I don't, I don't want to defend it. I, you know, if somebody's not interested in it, that's fine. But it's kind of like I want to evangelize for men. That's the way God made us to live. So, nobody. Well, in, in the in the younger generation, it's I mean, there's just this increasing oppression of loneliness when we're as as connected as we've ever been in relationship, and there's just a, a lack and. When you finally find real relationship, and I think this is what we've been seeing in, in UCF for the past, I don't know, probably decade, that what, what really captures people is there's love and it exists between people <laughs> in reality. And it's like they've never seen a loving relationship before, mm -hmm. not in their home, not from their family, not from their siblings, not from their teachers, not, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's like you don't even need to, uh, you don't even need to evangelize. You just, they just come into contact with it, and it's an immediate, like, they've been starved. Yeah. Oh, we got hands going up. I got three hands up. All right. Amber. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to tell people that I live with 10 other girls and they're always like, wow, like, aren't you guys arguing all the time or getting in each other's way and like, how do you do that? And I'm like, no, we never argue and we like live together peacefully and it's like mind blowing to them. Um, I just think that testifies to like the community that we have and the way that we live relationships because that does not happen in the world at all. That reminds me of one thing, our discipleship houses, you know, we say we don't, we don't actually live together, but we do in our discipleship houses, and that is to be able to have that sense, have that understanding of shared life, because it is really hard to learn that without actually living with someone. Uh -huh. And so it's, it's practice for living separately in one accord. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I see brokenness in my practice every day and um, you can't prescribe community and uh, that's what people need and, and it, it is really you know it is one thing to say yeah here's a medicine this will help you to feel better this will help to deal with the serotonin levels in your head and that kind of stuff but to tell somebody you need a true friend uh, who you can trust and who loves you uh, to walk out life with you, you it, people don't have that uh, we do, 
it is, yeah, it is a pearl of great price, and it and it is, it means more to people's health than I think anything else does. And and I mean, what Chad said is not, it is true. Um, it would ch revolutionize medicine, counseling, the whole bit if if people understood and, and lived in real community. So it's. Um, I see it every day, and people desperately need it, don't even know what it looks like, and don't believe it exists. So it is really amazing what we found. So uh, David Bradshaw told me on Thursday night that apparently um, the British government is instituting a minister of loneliness uh, because they're recognizing that loneliness is an epidemic-level crisis in their society, uh, and of course, like you know, good liberal governments, they you know need to legislate that from the top down uh, rather than actually solving it. Um, but it's it's true. It's it's uh, it's an epidemic in our society, and it's um, it's being accelerated and exacerbated by uh, technology. So we have we have a cure for a disease that a lot of people have. Elijah, over there. and just and just to further. A seminary close to here teaches their <laughs> pastors in training, you cannot trust the people that uh, you are living Pastor. out life with. Do not, do not trust them. Make sure your trust is outside of that circle. Yep. By the way, sort of tangential. Elijah is next, so get over. Yeah. He has poor hand up the whole time. <laughs> so... This is tangential, this is just the way my mind works. I don't know if you're also familiar with, there are many European governments who are trying to get their citizens to procreate. And they have hilarious ad campaigns and promises and they pay for vacations to try to get their citizens to, pro to procreate because they have a serious problem with a decline in population. So there's another state-sponsored solution that, uh, <laughs> yeah, Elijah. Uh, so just being somebody who kind of came in from the outside, like not, you know, hadn't grown up here, didn't really have any experience with uh, any sort of community like this, um, I can definitely say like that was something that I definitely saw as a great treasure, you know, coming in. Uh, the church that I came back, that, that I went to back home, uh, the youth group there was probably about the size of UCF. I mean, there may be 150 kids or so, but you know, there was so much, like, divisiveness and brokenness, and, you know, if you if you just walked in, you wouldn't think that from seeing it, because everybody talked to each other about, you know, like, what was going on that day, and, you know, just different things that were going on in the world, but even there, like, that was just, that was all I knew about that sort of community, and so to come here and see, like, oh, wow, like, the way that community is laid out in the Bible, like, from 2,000 years ago, that still works, you know? It doesn't have to be new and fresh and everything. It kind of goes back to the whole, uh, you know, there's no new ideas that we really need to do thing. Like, I don't know, it's just really amazing. It was amazing to me to see that, and it really has given me a perspective on, like, how to appreciate that more. Amen. Let, let, let me say this about uh, relationship. Probably the key point 
in relationship is you must be willing to not gossip and to resolve all conflict and to submit to the process that the Bible describes for the resolution of conflict. What this means is if you have something that is irritating you, you can't tell your wife in a grumbling voice, in a complaining voice. You can submit it to her and say, hon, I'm feeling this way. If you're asking her to say, yeah, you're feeling that way because you're grumpy. Or I think I see that too. You probably ought to talk to him about it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You can't just complain about people. Doesn't mean that you can't ask a consult before you go. But you can't sit around and complain about somebody with your spouse just because you're irritated. Does that make sense? Is that confusing anybody? So we are committed to the process. We are not going to carry any accusation against a brother or a sister. And we are not going to voice that with our spouse out of irritation. But we are going to get those things resolved. Inherent in that explanation is this. Sometimes the irritation is because I need to be changed. And I'm willing to put my neck out there to let that happen. That's what makes it so sweet. To know that you can rest. That no one is tolerating gossip about you. But your friends that are talking about you, if there's a negative, it's only because they don't want to hurt you by wasting your time or they want to help you. It's a great way to live. Ben mentioned child training, so I'll start on this one. Um, child training, I mean, there's a lot of things we could say about it. Sometimes I think whenever I approach people that I want to talk to them about child training issues in their family, they think I'm cracking a whip or I'm regimented or I'm irritated or whatever. Um, and there's just so many things you could say about that. Um, child training is about so many things. It's about teaching a child to say no to themselves so they can say yes to greater things. It's about teaching your children to love people. People get so hung up in, man, yeah, the Grissom's got that rule in their house. They're just so uptight. No. No rule is just uptightness and preference. It's that child needs to learn an awareness that this is somebody else's property, that this is somebody else's house, that this is somebody that there are other people in the universe other than their desire for the snack of the evening, the game of the evening, and to go talk to the person they want to talk to. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, all the things we believe about a life poured out is all in child training. Uh, and so again, it, for me, it's never just, boy, they're really strict. No. I see the end result of children who've been trained better able to love people, freer from their own passions that drive them. Um, and so, you know, child training is good news. And then just at a strictly selfish level, right? I think every parent knows that if you 
have got your children well-trained, your life is so much better. <laughs> I think that's just at a, you know, if you just like peace and order, you train your kids, you, got, you can have that. Um, so I just remember early on in our, you know, child training, and we're definitely not the paragons of child training, but, you know, everybody has this experience of being out in a restaurant and an elderly couple coming up and complimenting you because their kids, your kids aren't, you know, screaming, yelling, pitching fits, throwing food around, and you're just like, oh, <laughs> this is just normal. Um, so at any rate, child training is not... Some people get scared off because they think, oh, yeah, in that church, they're moving. No. It's God's heart for raising kids and making them in the image of Christ, and it's really good news. So, Ben, I don't know if you wanted to. No, I mean, just if, uh, you were talking about the pearl of great price. I think that's one of them. Uh, and... I have some. I have extended family. And this is a. This is an area where you see the differences in child training as well, as well as relationship. Is the, the cousin or the you know the friend, from a different city, and <laughs> you don't know where to start. You're like, our children are are different creatures. You know, <laughs> this is a different species, of of, of animal, um, and uh, it really makes me thankful. It, it makes me. You know, because for me, one of the things where I'm I'm likely to, oh yeah, this is, uh, I'm aware of the cost. Uh, it, it might be in child training. It, it makes me I, I have to adjust my attitude uh, quite a bit. But um, thinking about the great value of it um, always brings me where I need to need to be. This topic's been uh, recent with Billy and me and James. Leitch was, uh, he sent me a paper about a year ago, or sent me some comments about a year ago, and I disagreed with them. And he said, well, it came from Chad. I said, well, you, you can't assume that's the case. <laughs> well, James. I know. I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. But it could be true. It, it could be, but. <laughs> it could very well be. Yeah. So anyway, we've been, you know, he's been beating me up like Leitch will. And um, so sent me the entire thing. And anyway, short story. Um, he and I are still in disagreement. We're working on it. Um, and so you know, pulled Billy into it, and Billy's having fun with us now. Um, but we're different. Could you quit rocking in your chair? It's, it, it's irritating. And it's bothering you? That, that, yeah, I do that these in Mars Hill. cost like 42. How much do these chairs cost? I do that in Mars Hill and tell them you're not allowed to do this in front of Mr. Henderson. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> no, we're different. I mean, um, you know, I've gotten to be a part of Milk and Honey for the last three years. 
and there are a lot of parents that really understand their kids aren't the only ones in the universe. Um, and so it's a, it's a, you know, anytime you're out in public, of course, you get to see that. But um, Melissa and I have been real fortunate. We get to, you know, we've asked, and that's where James has gotten, you know, gotten me. Um, I asked a stupid question. Um, I said, hey, what do you think about how we're doing with our kids? You know, he had an opinion. Um, James? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I sent an email out to, uh, I don't know, about a half a dozen folks. And um, it was all good. But Leitch, being Leitch, um, just, you know, can't give an answer and go away. He wants to know how his answer has applied to me and how I'm changing and, what, you know, what are you doing different, Pittard? And, you know, it's amazing how much your son is exactly like you. <laughs> um, so, but in the middle of it all, you know, with Mars Hill and co-op, the generational, the ages thing, the way we do everything, um, our kids get to be around. By default, kids younger, uh, older, parents, um, and in the middle of all that, we get, you know, Melissa gets from other, other moms what's going on with our children. I get from other moms and dads what's going on with my children. Um, um, you know, kids are, I tell everybody, you know, money's just like this. It gets right here in front of your face and you can't make decisions. Kids are the same way. You can't see what you're doing because you're in the middle of the emotions of it. Um, so, yeah, we can't buy. I, I, ain't, I ain't got enough to sell to get this. You know, we talked, we were with Thomas and Kathy last night. We were talking about Mars Hill. I'm very pleased with the $200 per kid per class because I can't afford what it really costs. Hmm. I can't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, and I can't, I can't do it. She's really smart, but she can't do it either. Um, so, yeah, what, what we've got, you can't buy. So. Yeah, and, and I would like to point out that, that you really need to respect your Marshall teachers. Uh, they give up their life. Uh, they're not. They're, they're, their gas might get paid, <laughs> uh, but uh, they are laying their lives down um, for your kids. That's the part they play. And so, in reciprocating, when there's opportunity to do something that you can do. You should be very quick to jump in 
whether it's provide meals for the youth or those kinds of things. Uh, but you really need to acknowledge the sacrifice that those people are making. We've got, it's an amazing group of people that we have that, 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 that take care of them. And it would cost, I, I don't know how much it would cost to get an education from, I, I think the head of each of our par departments majored in their uh, uh, field. And I think three of them have doctorates and they're teaching your kids. Including Robert. <laughs> you need to be very, very thankful. <laughs> and Tom and Susan, who don't even get a $200 check. For the non-teaching stuff they do. You'll never know. Well, I think we can multiply this list, but does everybody get the point? I, I, you know, I want us to be able to really value the things that God's given us as a community, uh, know how they're different, and know that they're worth fighting for. Um, and uh, again, you know, you just get around it so long you forget or you get to having to, to f defend it to other people, or even sometimes you're facing the cost of having it. Uh, and I just want to, you know, encourage everyone to get to that place that, no, this is, I, I'm so glad. Um, and I really am. Uh, you know, this is not just talk. I'm so grateful for the things we have as a community. So that was, that's what I wanted to, wanted to encourage everybody in is what a bargain. Uh, and you know what, and I'm not saying this in a mad, mean way. If you don't think that, maybe God hasn't called you here, you know. After some time, if you don't taste that, you don't, you don't see that, I, you know. I'm not saying walk out the door, but my goodness. Uh, if you don't see it, I don't know how, I can, how we could make you see it. Um, and I know this room doesn't, doesn't apply to this room, but. The thought runs through my head. As you raise teenagers, they, they, they often question and, and, and don't value things like get up and take out the garbage, make up your bed. And it, there's this constant nag as you try to bring them into that. Any, anybody relate? Okay, now think of elders in a church with people that need to learn what it means to be community continually reminding them, no, well, you probably ought to do this, maybe you should do that, in a world where nobody tells anybody else what to do and trying to cultivate that, and then ask yourself, am I like my teenager? Or have you seen the goodness like, thankfully, Audrey did, and she goes and she asks her parents and watches her parents and learns how to live. Does that make sense? Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Okay. That's to me. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs>